Welcome to the PT Graduate Podcast. I'm Rich Ellis, and I interview people from the health and fitness industry to find out more about their role, get some inspiration, motivation, and also have an understanding of how to get into this industry, but not only get in, but stay in and flourish in this amazing industry. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the PT Graduate Podcast. Uh, it's good to uh, good to be doing another episode. Today, my guest is Dr. Susan Baxter. Welcome. Yes. Hi. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. It's uh, a cracking day in Auckland, so summer feels like it's on its way, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that is the case. And uh, yeah, t-shirt and short stuff. Oh, amazing. I've been spending a little bit of time in Perth at the moment, and uh, it's particularly hot here for my Irish skin, so... Looking yes. forward to getting over to Auckland for FedEx to be able to experience the New Zealand summer. Yeah, fantastic. Great. Um, and that was kind of the reason that um, that I made contact. I was scrolling through uh, some of the speakers. I, I hadn't planned to even be there this year, and that looks like it's changed. So that'll be good. I should be able to come and actually say hello. Um, Amazing. But your name stood out because... Um, you've been on my radar for nearly probably a, a decade and a bit, and I'll explain why in a minute. Don't worry, it's nothing creepy. <laughs> um, and um, so I thought, right, yes, let's do a, let's do an interview. It'd be great to to have a chat and, and and pick your brains and find out more about you and what you've done. And you know, you've got a, a massively um, you know um, resume of of activities and qualifications and so on. So um, yeah, so let me explain <laughs> the. Yeah. Um, I'm interested. <laughs> Back in, I think it was 2010. Yeah. Was it 2010, you won the um, People's Choice Award. You know, I actually don't know what year it was. I, I got, <laughs> I, <laughs> I got, I have had that award. Yes, yeah. National People's Choice Award um, from the New Zealand Fitness Council, yeah. um, the New Zealand Awards event, yeah. um, which I was really pleased to get, and I think. It maybe was a few years after that that I actually got it. Maybe it was um, 2012. But sort of the, the timeline confuses me a okay, little bit as okay. to what the exact year. I should have checked that before this. But yes, I, I, I did win that. Yes. Yeah. It was, um, and, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and well, um, you did say you're not creepy. So that was my first foray into like that whole awards process, you know, and turning up with the black tie and meeting and greeting and getting to know people. And I was like, I'll have a go. I'll have a go. And, you know, it's got as many people to vote as possible. Thought I was on a, a roll. And, um, you know, obviously then on we the were... night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then on the night, um, obviously uh, the names and the faces come up of all the people that are um, the finalists and um, you know they um, you get to see your face on the screen and that's all all exciting stuff and then congratulations Susan Baxter I'm like oh who's Susan Baxter <laughs> <laughs> how dare she take my award away from me <laughs> sorry <laughs> no 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 don't worry so um so yeah so that's basically from that point onwards um you know your name has been etched into my brain so um it's great to, okay. <laughs> it's, it's all good it's all good um yeah so yeah no it's it's, it's good to to finally meet you and actually have a conversation because we've had a, a couple of text conversations as well but um but not proper ones so um anyway enough about that stuff <laughs> well that that was that was when Zumba was just kicking off as well. So I've done a number of things in the fitness industry. I moved from Northern Ireland, so hence I've got a bit of a, a funny accent. So I moved from Northern Ireland. 
I hadn't quite finished high school, yeah. but the university gave me a special entry so I could get in a bit sooner. Uh, um, I don't know if you'll notice I've got like a bit of a theme of being impatient for a lot of things. <laughs> so I didn't quite finish high school and came across in June. That's, of course, when a school year will end. Yeah. And started in, in July, second semester, university, the University of Otago in right. in New Zealand, South yeah. Island. And that was when they were putting out calls and they were saying, if you've enjoyed our aerobics classes, maybe you want to be an instructor. So <laughs> without doing the first semester, I did one week of doing group fitness classes with a friend that I'd made and thought, this is so much fun. Yeah. I just want to get involved. So I immediately signed up to learn how to be a group fitness instructor, Unipol, that was the yeah. name of the gym. Right. Um, it's still there, but it's moved a couple of times since then. Yeah. And so I got also got a job behind a desk in a gym as well. World Gym gave me a job. And so from being a young teenager, I have been trying all different classes. I've also like become a personal trainer as well. And that's kind of been a theme throughout. Mm. So at that point, when we were at the awards ceremony, I had already done seniors classes, I think I probably at that point had already dabbled in a bit of aqua classes as well. Yeah. I took freestyle group fitness classes and then Zumba had just started kicking off. And I was one of the first people in Dunedin to be sort of bringing that to the masses, okay. to the student student body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you, yeah, you'd already got a number of uh, people that you were working with are like, in terms of getting votes, that was just going to kill it. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I didn't even see it on the radar because it was one of the first years that the the award for People's Choice yeah. was there. Um, but certainly I learned the most in my first year when I first became a group fitness instructor because my first class was a seniors class. And I don't know whether it quite works the same these days because I have mentored a few people, yeah. but you kind of wait in the... Um, behind the curtains for a class to become available. And so you're kind of like the understudy for a class yeah. until one can become available. Yeah. So I was shadowing anybody that would take me on the stage with them. And there was this one day, I remember there was an instructor that was stuck in traffic or they were running behind and they phoned the manager of the gym and they said, look, I'm not going to be able to make it to the seniors class today. And the manager just put, sort of put the phone to, to your chest and looked at me and was like, do you think you'll be able to take the whole class today? And I was in there and that nice. was my first class and it was a senior's class. And I'd, I'd taken various components of the class, but not a full class by myself before. Yeah. But the great thing about working with seniors, for instance, is they will tell you exactly what they think about the class, good and bad. Like they right. will not hold back. Yeah. So they really started shaping me from day one of taking my entire class by myself. Mm. And so because they could see that I was working on all of the things that they told me, taking on board all the feedback, I think I really got them behind me. And then I kind of was able yeah. to add more classes and disciplines and that sort of thing. Fantastic. Well done. <laughs> well done. So, so serendipitous, wasn't it? It was meant to be. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, yeah, you started in that group fitness space. So uh, you've got your undergraduate. Um, you've also... Um, completed the uh, more recent I don't know how recently more recently uh, the, the, the PhD in health science um, BSc in psychology health behavior as well I may have the order wrong there yeah 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 um, so I started studying at the University of Otago and let's take a step back when I was at school they Northern Ireland doesn't have access to very many careers advisors 
And when we filled in those kind of, you know, check boxes, they had one or two people that they thought were kind of unusual cases. And I was one of those people. So I went to see a careers advisor and they said, you know what, based on all of these things, I think you should be a physiotherapist. Uh-huh. And so I was so pleased. I went home because my dad actually works at university as a physiotherapist. He's, oh, a, really? he's an academic. And I was like, dad, guess what? They think I should be a physiotherapist. <laughs> and, and my dad was like, I really feel like they're telling you this because I'm a physio. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. that they've actually understood the things that you're interested in. So I was like, yes, yes. So definitely wrong. You know how you <laughs> sort of listen to your parents like yeah, that. Yeah. And so the interesting thing is I started university and I wasn't quite a hundred percent where I wanted to go to, but I knew I was interested in people behavior, behavior change. Mm. I was interested in nutrition to some extent as well, but I was definitely interested in getting people moving and bringing people together and that sort of thing. So one of the really good things about studying at the University of Otago, which is not the same as studying in any of the UK universities, is you can pick your major, but you can also pick subjects slightly outside of the, the area that your is your major is in. Right. So I got to try out a few different things and add a few different disciplines in there. So I had stuff from the phys ed department. I had psychology. Mm. I had human human behavior, which is more a, a teaching mm. qualification as well. And I was along the way, I was just kind of following what felt right to me, which yeah. is one of the things I'm really passionate about when I'm talking to people that they don't know where they want to go to in the fitness industry or in any career. Mm. Because I do teach... Uh, teens how to exercise better technique nutrition that sort of thing Mm. and a lot of them they need to decide what they want to do with the rest of their life when they're like 16 17 18 and I just yeah I just remember going well like Mm. how am I supposed to know and I just I wanted someone to tell me so with those teenagers that I've been working with for exercise I've mentioned to them for me for my career I've always found I try what feels good and then I continue trying what feels good to kind of find my way. And mm. that, that's worked out for me. And so I started out adding on the extra papers that I was more interested in. I remember because I was working in one of the gyms in Dunedin behind the desk, um, there was an opportunity through the government to get a scholarship to do Cert 3 and Cert 4. Yeah. And so because there was someone already coming to the gym for these qualifications for other people that worked in the gym, I... I luckily also got selected to do that. Yep. And and so that's how I also was doing Cert 3 and, and Cert 4 at the same time as studying my undergrad. <laughs> I didn't tell the university until I'd done it. And yeah. the university told me that it was enough to give someone a mental health condition. So, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing that's a compliment if that didn't happen. I think so. I think so. Um, so I also... On top of that, I should say that I also managed to do my four-year degree in three and a half because mm. I did summer schools as well. So I was really passionate uh, about learning. And every mm. time I find something that I'm really interested in, I can go to town with it. So right. that's sort of, yeah, one of the themes I found throughout studying as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you don't stop until you're satisfied that you've learned everything you possibly can about a certain subject. About a certain subject. And only if it's like the subject that is, is in the, the correct direction. Yeah. So then from there, when I was doing my honours degree, then I did a dissertation postgraduate, and that was in health behaviours. 
And then from that, I did my PhD through the School of Physiotherapy, and that was on exercise for people with a chronic illness with a focus on musculoskeletal conditions. Yeah. So there was a psychological component to that. Yeah. Um, there was also some work with the School of Medicine so I could recruit the patients. And then it was in the majority of the School of Physiotherapy. So ironically, probably that careers advisor was right all that time ago. And even though I tried to resist it, I sort of ended up in that place in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 amazing fantastic well done mm. um and so there's obviously lots of academia in there but um so how about the the the, the practice the actual uh the face-to-face -face stuff so you were in melbourne uh so you were in dunedin you were in melbourne now you're in perth yeah. um what's what's happened what's the journey been like there in terms of the facilities you've been in and who you've worked with and uh you know who you're working with now Gosh, there's a lot. So for everybody that's interested in doing bodybuilding, um, I I had a stint in bodybuilding. I think most people in their, their past, if they've been in the industry for a while, they had a bit of a stint in bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah. I actually got into bodybuilding in a very unusual way. And I'd love to share the story with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I used to host Highlanders TV, you know, the yeah yes. so I used to I used to interview players we'd yeah. interview some of the all blacks and we'd interview some of the other teams like the crusaders and that yeah. sort of thing yeah. and so with that it was the segment was sponsored by optimum nutrition which was the highlanders sponsor so yeah. I got to go to the corporate box one day and I got to live like I was in the lap of luxury as a yeah. student and it was unlimited food and unlimited drinks and you got to watch the whole game from the luxury of Ooh. Yeah, this corporate box, which was amazing. Mm. And I remember meeting some of the representatives from Optimum Nutrition and they said, you know, we've heard really good things about what you're doing with fitness. You mm. know, you've done some really great things with fitness. You, you kind of got your own name in fitness as it is. And we'd love to sort of see if you would be able to do one of those bodybuilding competitions. Mm. And I thought, okay. I thought, gosh, no, I actually am not. I'm quite a shy person and I'm really not that interested to be on a stage for me. Yeah. Like it was one of the biggest things that challenges that I made for myself after high school was mm. getting on a stage in front of people. But I knew I had to overcome that shyness to be able to uh, sort of put out the, the love of exercise that I have so that other yep. people could enjoy exercise as much as I did. Mm. So I didn't really see it aligning with myself, but as it happens, because there was as many free drinks as you wanted, every time I had another glass of wine, I got closer and closer to saying yes. So by the end of the night, I said yes. I woke up the next day with a business card um, and I got a phone call that was like, we're really delighted to see that you're going to be oh. um, entering one of these fitness competitions. <laughs> so <laughs> I entered my first one and I, that's the point where people they try to finish the story. They think, oh, well, then you fell in love with it, right? Mm. No, not really. I, I did the first event and I thought, you know, this is a nice challenge. It's sort of helping me to learn things. It's a bit of a, a vehicle to help me learn things mm. that, that my clients don't experience, that, yeah. that I don't experience that my clients do. Mm. So I hadn't ever tried to go on a, a special diet before. And mm. so being on a diet, and not being able to eat certain foods at certain times, mm. all of a sudden I, I was learning like, this isn't as easy as I keep telling people it is. Yeah. And so that, that was a really nice learning experience for me. So I thought like, this is, this is a good part of it. Mm. Also, I'd always told people that come to me for exercise that you should have a goal, but I didn't actually have a goal myself. My goal was just kind of 
making everybody else love exercise as much as I did. So as soon as I did my first competition, I realized, actually, this is something that I'm working towards. And I can see how I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm feeling more authentic and genuine and saying, you should have your goal instead of you should have your goal, but I don't have one. So yeah, just yeah. do do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that was great. Um, and on top of that, I actually remember that my boyfriend at the time really wanted to be doing bodybuilding competitions. Mm. And so he was a little bit more jealous of me doing this, <laughs> this bodybuilding competition. So when I placed second, I realized that I qualified for national. Uh-huh. So I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to do nationals. Like it can't hurt. I'm just going <laughs> to do nationals. So went up to Auckland and I did this show and I'm pretty sure there was 30 or 32 people a little while ago. And we're, we're about to go out on stage. And I remember that my boyfriend at the time told me, he was like, I think he was trying to be supportive. He was like, nobody's going to think any less of you if you don't win. Right before I went out on stage. So <laughs> I went out on stage with the sass of someone who shouldn't have that level of sass, right? And I remember there being two really strong contenders that everybody was thinking, it's going to be between these two this year. Right. And then when they announced the person that won, so they, they named these two favorites yeah. as third and then second. So everybody was like, who's going to win this competition? And already I could see that my boyfriend had started packing up because he had already thought that I, I hadn't won. And they announced me as winning the nationals. Jeez. And I wow. thought, oh my God, <laughs> oh my gosh, okay. I just won the nationals. Like, no big deal. So, um, yeah, like that's wow. how I ended up getting into it. But the funny yeah. thing is, when I was going to expos with Optimum Nutrition, people thought that because I was winning, that that's why Optimum Nutrition come to me. But instead, they actually persuaded me to do it in the first place. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I pro- probably wouldn't have done it. Um, from there, I actually became the first person that got awarded a Blues Award from the university for excellence in bodybuilding. Okay. They they never considered that before. No. So, you know, really carved the way out there. So, mm. you know, it's all about, you know, saying yes to opportunities. Yeah, even yeah. <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely. Wow, to 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 go that fast from yeah. something you weren't sure about to uh to winning the nationals is pretty pretty damn impressive. Well, I I mean I never thought that I would win, but I went mm. out with the confidence of someone that did and I managed to. So that was interesting in itself. Yeah. There's probably some good lessons in there, aren't there? Because yeah. you know, we can always doubt ourselves and we can always sort of go, no, fake it till you make it and um, you know, have that confidence because I'm sure obviously there's an there's a there's a there's a an element of that confidence in when you're on stage and what you're doing but yes obviously you've got to put the work in before that to get the body to yeah. the position where it's, it's it's a contender but there's there's always that um there's, that sort of yeah, icing that, the cherry on top with 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 how you carry yourself with the confidence and all, all the other stuff totally yeah. and i guess if if it wasn't for that moment before i went out on stage as someone that had struggled for a long time with imposter syndrome yeah. Uh, there was no way I would have gone out with that level of confidence. Right. But if someone, because I'm Irish, if someone's going to tell me that I can't do something, well, <laughs> I am so stubborn. I am going to prove them wrong. <laughs> so so in a way, did he know you well enough that actually what he was saying was some reverse psychology that uh, actually did the trick? You know, we, we will say that. I, I don't right. think he did at the time, honestly, right. but yeah. like, I'm very grateful for that moment. Yeah. 
I mean, it, like I wouldn't have gone out like that. So <laughs> yeah, so from from there, I was started competing internationally and worlds um, and in universes because universes is, is of course a bigger scale yeah. than than the worlds. Yeah. And also, Optimum Nutrition was flying me around the world to give presentations at, at gyms in Southeast right. Asia, at road shows, and that sort of thing. So it was really quite the dream. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. How long did that go on for? Um, I think it, it might have been like five or six years that I was yeah. doing that for all up. I would have mm. to go back and check. But I, I was there mm. for a long time. I do you remember um, emceeing with Steve Cook at the, the fitness expo when there was a fitness model competition that was really fun and I've met so many amazing people along the journey as well that it's just been so fabulous (laughs) yeah fantastic I mean I guess that gives you so much credibility as well but you don't um you don't work with those sorts of people now do you you you're very much into the more rehab prehab um helping people who haven't found their home I I saw on the website yeah so um when I was doing my PhD, I realized that it's all very well, these people that are out there that aren't as interested in exercising, but people that have injuries or they have chronic illness, they have more reasons to sort of make a barrier to themselves to getting into exercise. So I wanted to be able to help the most vulnerable people. Mm. So in that, that's why I focused my attention more on, on those people. And it's not that I turn away anybody that, that wants to learn how to exercise or any mm. of that bear sort of thing, but it's just that I, I, I really feel like that's kind of a, an area that's a missed opportunity for a lot of people out there. And because I now have the skill set to be able to do that, I feel very fortunate yeah. to be able to provide those services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and, uh, and some interesting words, you know, you talk about um, those of us in, in the industry or people in the industry that, um, you know, they may look a certain way, but... Um, you know, dis- despite how they look, they're not necessarily doing the right things for their own health. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it can be, a, and I think you're right, there can be some sort of misleading um, behaviours that, uh, you know, go against the grain, I suppose. Um, what 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 do you mean by that in, in, in more detail? I think, um, so I've... As I said about at the start of my journey when I was doing the bodybuilding aspect of, of my career, yeah. when I was dieting and I'd never dieted myself in the past formally, and then doing that, I realized there was so much that I didn't know. And it, it really was kind of like a bit of a, a check at the door for mm. me going, mm. you know what, you, you don't know as much as you think you do. Mm. So that really was a humbling experience where I started to realize, hey, you know, for all those times for myself when I was that sort of age where I was going, do you have to look a certain way to work in the fitness industry and that sort of thing? There was a lot lot of um, unknowns for me. And so getting past that and understanding that there's a lot of things you can do when you're in your early 20s that are not the reason that you're in shape, but you're in shape because you're in your early 20s. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. yeah. So the, there's a lot of people out there that may be in shape, but it's in spite of the things that they're doing, not because of the things that they're doing. Yeah. And it's yeah. very easy to get that belief that because somebody is doing certain things, that just by copying them, that you're going to be able to look the same as them. And that's just simply not the case. There's a whole lot of different things that can can contribute genetics whether you're male or female like 
your past history with dieting, just all of these things can make a difference to the different um, requirements for you when you're trying to get to a certain level or look a certain way or be a certain level of strength. These are all things that need to be taken into consideration. So it's yeah. not as straightforward as you think. And yeah. I love that in the industry, there's such a, um, there's not that many things that get in the way of you starting in the industry, which is great. Um, there's a lot of opportunities out there. But then at the same time, there isn't a lot of grading when it comes to are you a level one personal trainer, level two personal trainer, that there is in, say, engineering, where there's right. a partner, where there's a senior, that there yes. sort of thing. Yeah. So I think because of that, it can become very easy to be disillusioned when you're younger to mm. think, I sort of know everything. Mm. Um, I'm mm. speaking because when I was 18 or 19, I was like, I have made it. Like, I know <laughs> yeah. pretty much everything, to be honest. And yeah. Yeah. the real theme is, I've been studying, like I was studying at university for 10 years. And the more you study at university, the more you realize you actually don't know that much. Like you could know a lot about a very small bit, yeah. but you can never know all the information. Yeah. So yeah. Th that's, that's one of the things that I try and put out there when it comes to education that I put out there um, for other personal trainers. I share a lot of ideas on, on my blog, a lot of articles around things that they may not have encountered in their Cert 3 and Cert 4. Yeah. Because I just know that there's so many things that when I started, I would just wish somebody was like, hey, do you know there's different hip structures? Hey, mm, do, mm, do, mm. do you know about this? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're so right. And, you, um, you know, I've done you know, a fair amount of education and you don't know what you don't know. But also um, you only know, you know, at the stage that you're at, you only know what you know. And therefore you can only deliver on the, that knowledge. And so yes. if you are someone who's really interested in furthering that knowledge and and doing, you know, something like you or something, you know, it's probably less, less aggressive than 10 years at university, but someone who is, is keen to further their knowledge. Then, of course, you know, what you know is, is it does, you do know the difference between an antiversion and a retroversion. And, um, you know, hot, hot understanding uh, scoliosis or whatever else it might be. Um, yes. But then you'd, then you'd be a partner or then you'd be a senior practitioner. You're right. So, yeah. You almost need something like that to help people go, well, that's, I can clearly see the next uh, level of knowledge or information that um, I can strive towards. Um, yeah. and therefore that's going to motivate me give me more purpose and therefore i'm going to stay in this for longer because that's really what this podcast started was to try and help people to stay in the industry for longer you know bits of information interviewing people like yourself so that if the things that they share that people go oh yes that, I, I, that sounds like me you know then fantastic off they go amazing I, i'm really yeah. pleased that you're doing this this type of project because you're right the shelf life the average shelf life of someone who's just qualified for being a personal trainer is, is six months in Australia. I'm not sure for New Zealand. I think it's relatively similar because yeah, I did do some lecturing. Mm. And so with people such as yourself and, and people such as me, they've been in the industry over 10 years. We're bringing the average up. So I can mm. only imagine mm. how many people are actually a lot lower than that. Mm. And that's really, to me, it's a bit sad. And also it's a bit scary because to be honest, there's, 80% of people out there that are currently not exercising. Mm. And so we need to recruit more people that can help mm. those people exercise. Mm. And there, there are different levels of, of 
of knowledge when it comes to personal trainer, someone might only need someone to stand behind them and just yell at them, run, or just tell them what to do next, yeah. or yeah. just be there for them, yeah. you know? And then there are other people, such as some of the people that I work with, that have had a, a full hip replacement, and then they also have had a shoulder reconstruction. And that, that's not the same type of trainer that you necessarily yeah. require. So yeah. there's room for all of us out there. Um, but it's just that acknowledgement of knowing what you don't know and that sort of thing, and, and probably all of, all of us stay in our lanes as well. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. Stay in your lane, and um, and that allows you to then go. Well, I need to send this person here, or I need to send that person there because I'm not the right person for you, and and then everybody benefits because it should be two way traffic. Definitely, I there's people that I do a movement screen on, and I go, you know, this what I'm seeing right here. I just want you to go get checked out, and I, I have yeah. a list of professionals that I send them to. Yeah. And I've had people that I, I do that with and literally the information comes back. This person actually needs to have surgery before they do anything else. Wow. So, you know, it's by us thinking, oh, hey, it's just exercise. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, the same level that someone who doesn't understand what a personal trainer can do for them puts, puts us into that box. And, and really we can do so much and be so much for those people that 80% of people aren't exercising as yeah. well as like yeah. the 20% yeah. that are. Yeah. 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 You're right. I think you're right. The, the, the you know, the comment of, you know, there's, there's, there's enough people out there for everyone. You know, even if you don't decide to be a lifelong learner of stuff, there's always going to be a space for someone for you. There'll yeah. be your clients, there'll be your crowd because that will suit the, the, the where your knowledge is at. So um, totally. you know, it's about like, everyone growing the pie together. There's, um, I remember when I started, there was a, a sort of taller and very robust guy that was working in the gym and he was very muscular and I, he was very softly spoken. And I remember as I was doing my cert for at the time, cause I was working behind the deck thinking, it's very interesting. I feel like he should be more like aggressive, especially mm. based on his demeanor. Mm. And then I had this fantastic tutor that would, would come out to the gym that worked with all of us. Her name was Camille. She used to own the gym in Alexandra. I'm not sure if she still does that, but she taught us about profiling, like the psychological profiles of, of different trainers and how that um, applies to the type of client that you attract. Yeah. And she always said that his role in the gym is very important because he is the sort of one that makes someone who's scared to be in the gym environment feel very safe. And after that, I thought, oh my gosh, like yeah. this is, this is where you start going, wow, there is literally a place for everybody in this industry. Mm. And so, yeah, I was, I was very fortunate to have some really great tutors along the way that like opened my eyes up at yeah. certain points. Yeah. 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 It gives you great insight, doesn't it? And that's, that's why there's always something to learn from everyone we come into contact with, isn't there? Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to be open-minded about it. <laughs> that, that's the, that's the requirement though. Yeah. 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 Um, I could carry on talking and talking and talking, but time is marching and uh, I want to kind of pick your brains a little bit about some of the things that um, you know, I like to do for all of these episodes and say, you know, what, what are your top tips? What are the things that have worked for you? You've, you've worked in multiple different environments, different cities, different countries. Um, there must be some things that you've kind of gone, yeah, these are the things I need to do because I know that's what helped me stay successful. What would, um, what would some of them be or your favorites? Well, let me see. So you're right, because when I worked in Dunedin and I had multiple locations that I was working with at the time, that's when I was studying my PhD, competing, and I was running my business at the time. Yeah. You know, so 
definitely a lot of things going on at once and juggling it all. Mm. When I when I decided that I wanted to move to Melbourne, it was to show myself that there was a bit of a proof of concept in what I did and that the things that I was delivering could be replicated on, on a different scale. Mm. So in moving to Melbourne, I learned the things that really worked and the things that weren't as important as I thought they were. Mm. So one of the things that I didn't think was as important, but it's always been true for me, is your level of care for your clients. They actually care more about how much you care about them before they care how much you know. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's been a kind of interesting one because you might say, oh, Susan, what are you talking about? You've got doctor in front of your name. So people are always going to think, well, she already has this level of knowledge. Well, I decided when I moved to Melbourne to not really push out how qualified I was, but instead start my business just on word of mouth and just working with people and showing them that I knew I could help them. Mm. So I think I was pretty successful at doing that because three years into training someone that I trained twice a week, I was telling them about a course that I was on and I said that there was a kinesiologist at the course. And the guy said, why would there be a kinesiologist on the same course as you? Surely they're university qualified. And I was like, <laughs> do, you, do you realize I've got a, a doctorate in movement, like mm. from the School of Physiotherapy? And he was shocked. Like he didn't know. Yeah. But I, I said to him, I was like, why are you training with me? <laughs> and he said, because you can just tell that you care. And also you've always said things that, they make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You spend a lot of time on what you do. And also you, you're able to show me what I need to do and rationalize with me. So yeah. he, he actually, when he found out, he didn't really care that I had that level of qualification. He just literally was like, yes. this works for me. I yeah. have just continued doing what works for me. Yeah. And yeah. so Interesting. I, think that pro- I think that proves that point. Mm. Um, on top of that, I would say that your best level of retention is probably skill set. So I see a lot of um, coaches out there that are just talking about get more leads, more sales conversion, just talking all of these kind of big talk words about the game of business and that sort of thing. And I don't want to detract from the fact that when you're a personal trainer, you're wearing many hats and one of them is a business owner hat, Mm. but you're actually not going to need the extra leads and you're not going to need to work on your sales conversion if the product that you're delivering in the first place is actually keeping people around because those people are going to go out and tell other people. Yeah. And there's no, there's, you do not need to do anything much more beyond that. I was in a new place. I was in Melbourne. Nobody knew me and word was getting out pretty quickly. And I was getting more and more referrals. Like if you, if you have that happening to you, you're not going to need to spend a whole heap on Facebook advertising. You're not going to need to cold message people on Facebook and ask them if they'd like to come around for a bit of a workout. Yeah. Just, really know who you are in the industry, know who your niche is that you're looking for. And then from there, deliver a really good service. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you keep the retention rates high, you don't need to keep recruiting more people for the amount that have left. And assessment to that, a lot of the people that say haven't been able to continue working with me because I've got a retention rate of about 90 to 95%. Mm -hmm. um, They actually come back to me like a year later, two years later. So it, it, it proves that what I've done was right for them at the time. And then they knew exactly where I was to come back again. Yes. So this is something that can work for you in the industry. If you're someone who puts in the work, really knows who you are and you continue to develop what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, um, <clears throat> you may know Paul Brown, Mr. Attention. 
Um, I had a chat to him a few episodes back and, you know, he said a very similar thing. You know, it's about um, you don't need to worry about uh, the sales and the marketing. If the retention's good, you know, you obviously you still do that stuff, but same points to, to what you just said. So um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Good. Good. Like during COVID, I think um, saying that I was in Melbourne, I was in Melbourne for two years and then all of a sudden COVID hit and COVID hit Melbourne the worst probably mm. of anywhere. Mm. We were locked down for 18 months in the space of two years. Um, we weren't allowed to leave our house for longer than an hour a day. We mm. couldn't go any further from our house than five kilometers. Right. And there was all sorts of adverts that are out there that were like, if you see your neighbor in a supermarket talking to another person that does not live with them, report it to the police. Oh, so it, it was a very isolating time for people. And the, some of the clients that I was working with, they would spend full-time working on Zoom. Then they would spend full-time teaching their kid on the Zoom for, for school. Mm. And that would, be, that would literally already be a 12-hour day. And the mm. last thing they wanted to do was get on a Zoom and do <laughs> exercise and move yeah. around, right? Yeah. But as there were people that were sort of bowing out of the industry, which was really sad, there was more and more people that were reaching out needing help. And so just as testament to knowing who you are, knowing who you help, if your business is able to grow or at least stay the same during those, those challenging times, and remember mm. 18 mm. months is a long time for wow. people to sustain that kind of monotony of being in their house, not being able to leave that there sort of thing, then mm. it really is testament to how much you put out there and the sort of value that you put out to people's lives. Um, one thing that I'll add to that is if you think about in maybe the 70s, 80s, that sort of thing. People used to have where they'd go to work, they'd have their home life, and they'd maybe have a church that they go to. Yeah. So they had a, th a third home in that. Yes. Nowadays, people are now just choosing to work from home mm. post-COVID. So mm. they don't have their work colleagues that they incidentally talk to. Um, so their home is also becoming their work. And they don't necessarily, they're maybe not religious, that sort of thing. So they don't have that other home to go to. So they are looking for you yeah. They're looking for the most authentic version of you and they want to come and find you so that they can feel at home somewhere else that is not their own home. So yes. being the most authentic version of yourself will attract them. And if you're doing anything that is not you and you're trying to be someone else, you're going to be missing out on these people that need your help. I like that. I'm just scribbling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was listening and I am I am paying attention. <laughs> that's, that's, I that. like that. If you're not the, if you're not being the authentic version of yourself, there are people missing out on 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 your services. It's awesome. Yeah, really I mean, good. when see when you're young and you're starting in the fitness industry, it is it is a hard slog. There's mm. a lot of things that you'll come up against, and you're still trying to work out who you are yourself as a person, and you're trying to present that to the world authentically in front of different people that are in the gym. And that's not to say that for different clients, they need different parts of your skill set. But the thing that I found early on is when I was trying to be anything but who I was myself, I wasn't attracting the right sort of clients mm -hmm. to myself. Mm -hmm. And that's doing a disservice to the people that, that I was training that weren't quite for me, but also mm -hmm those people that were training with me, they weren't the right energy for me as well. So my other clients weren't getting the high vibing bubbly person yeah. that I am outside of that. So yeah. stay true to yourself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's um it, it makes total sense and sometimes we feel like we need to be something else don't we it's, it's bizarre you know you so many you know especially now i think with social media the influencers you know and uh you see something you think that you should do or, or be and um you know it's like well no just stop and take stock and find out who you are and what your values are and what's important to you and do that don't worry about mm. anything else that's going on out there I, I actually, I think that's so true. And I would highlight that when you start in the fitness industry as well, because you do come into contact with all different people. I remember being a young teenager and being confronted with people in the gym that were adults, right? And I didn't quite feel like I was there yet because I was still a young teenager, wasn't quite an adult yet. And adults usually to me in my life were guiders. They always knew what's best, that sort of thing. And so it was a very confusing time for me when I was being confronted with people that were being themselves in the gym, but because they were upset in other areas of their life, they would take it out on other people in the gym. And mm -hmm. so I would take that on board myself and think, I need to be this certain way because this yeah. adult has told me to be like this. Like yeah. there's almost this, this point, tipping point in the start of your career as a personal trainer where, you know, you're 16, you're 17, maybe you're 18. And you've got people that they, they look like they're grown up and they're maybe acting like they shouldn't be acting in front of you. And mm. it makes you feel like you need to change your behavior as, mm. as a result. So it, it does take a lot of experience and maturity to understand when they're being bang on track and when they're being out of order as well. It can be an interesting time. Mm. I remember I came back from a trip to Europe when I was, I think it was 19. So I, I was going to see my family at home. And when I came back and remember, I said that I hadn't really had any experience with dieting. So I really wasn't big on working out what weight I was. If I still fit it into my clothes, I didn't really yeah. care. I got to the gym and I started taking my classes after I'd been away for maybe a month or two months. And a couple of the people in the class uh, recognized that maybe I looked a bit more fluffy. I didn't look as, as sharp when yeah. I was taking the classes. I'd still stay in shape, but who doesn't want a croissant when you're in France? Mm. And... <laughs> Um, I remember they came up and said to me uh, to the side, they were like, you, you put on a bit of weight. It looks like you enjoyed yourself while you're away, but you're a bit heavier than you were before. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like they, I, they, they must be telling me because this is important if I work in the fitness industry mm. that I shouldn't, you know, that it, it was very confronting for me. Mm. And then I realized after a few occasions like this happened in, in various faucets of me working there, I realized wow, these people that have told me this information, when I found out a little bit more about them, their greatest fear was, was gaining weight. So them projecting their insecurities on me was not a reflection of like what they saw in front of them or mm. anything like that. Mm. It was more a reflection of them saying, if I gained weight and nobody told me, that would be my biggest fear. So they were projecting that fear onto me, yeah. whereas it had nothing to do with me. But at the start, I remember thinking, well, yeah, actually, if someone's telling me this, mm. I probably I probably shouldn't have those lollies after I finished <laughs> taking my second cardio class for the day. Yeah. But but actually, later on down the track, thankfully, I didn't get any eating disorders or anything like that. But later on in the track, I thought, you know, these people, for them, that's a big concern. And for me... It's not something I should be worried about, but I need yeah. to be able to help these people without taking it on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an important distinction to make, isn't it? And not not an easy one at a young age. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's why I, I, I can see why there's a lot of guidance needed. And I, 
like myself to be able to provide more opportunities for people that are young and up and coming in the industry. Um, some of the people, if it's personal trainers that are listening here that have been in the industry for a little while, some of the people that are now getting qualified have only been qualified, for instance, in Melbourne from, from their room. Mm. So they haven't had the opportunity when instead of three years at university doing practical things, they've been learning from a computer at home without interacting with other people. So yeah. they haven't been able to develop those soft skill sets and they really need help of other people that are at the industry to really bring them up and really help them to feel at home here. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Get get a mentor, get someone who can uh, can help you with that stuff. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Any other questions that I haven't asked? I, um, I'm aware that, uh, like I said, time's marching on and that was like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions you haven't asked? Um, no, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we need to discuss in this episode we can always have another episode if this one's so popular yeah, yeah 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 absolutely i've um i've uh, planned to do that with a few people actually over the over the previous episodes yeah cool sounds like a plan amazing yes well, and so i'll be seeing you at the fedex conference yeah, yes you yeah. will i'll see you at fedex amazing. yeah fantastic looking forward to it brilliant thank you Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, if there's uh, some socials or some um, um, websites or anything that you want me to drop into the uh, show notes, I'll um, put those in and then people can uh, make contact if there's any questions they've got for you. Oh, brilliant. I have a number of articles that they can have a bit of a Uh, read through if they want as well. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. Thank you for your time today. No problem. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The PT Graduate. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star rating and hit the subscribe button. And I'd love it for you to share with your friends and colleagues so they can listen too. Cheers for now.